Most startups are designed to disrupt an industry, but disruption is hard in a crowded marketplace and even harder when you're entering with a premium offering. On this podcast, we're talking to WP Engine, who's built a sizable hosting business by focusing on one type of customer in an increasingly commoditized and crowded marketplace. My name's Jared Doyle, and this is the Fractal Podcast, where I interview marketing experts from around the world to help startup founders like you drive your business forward. Hi, and welcome to the episode. This week, we're going to be talking about hosting, which isn't really specifically about marketing, but it's going to be interesting because I'm joined by the country manager for WP Engine, Mark Randall, who, look, full disclosure, I use WP Engine. So this is both you know, an interview and I guess it becomes an endorsement. I think they're great. But Mark's previously been a country manager for Bulletproof and Rackspace, which I've used as well. And so he knows a lot about sales and marketing. And what I think is going to be really interesting to talk about today, you know, from my perspective as a marketer, is how do you make a relatively commoditized thing like web hosting? How do you stand out in that kind of industry? So Mark, two things. One, welcome. And two, let's get straight into that first question. Sounds good. Thanks, Gerard. And thanks for being a customer. <laughs> so look, I mean, I guess there's there's lots of different things that we could talk to when you're talking about differentiation and being a premium provider in a, in a market. I think, you know, probably the first thing that I'd want to call out is, you know, a lot of people just focus on the sales and marketing. And obviously, that's important. And I think a lot of people do that well. But, you know, ultimately, you kind of have to walk the walk um, in terms of being, you know, a premium provider in reality not just in terms of your, your messaging. So, you know, if you don't do that, all the marketing and sales in the world is kind of in vain. So, you know, differentiating your offering first and then having unique ways of communicating that differentiation to the market, that's kind of the winning combination. But, you know, the cart can't lead the horse on that, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, you could always make promises in marketing, but it's up to the product to actually deliver on that. So. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to pay attention to the customer experience. You know, you've got to make sure you're measuring that. You've got to make sure you're building a culture that, you know, is, is adaptable and customer focused. Because if you're trying to sell anything at a premium to other people in the market, then, you know, you need to deliver additional value in return to your, to your clients. And you need to be really clear about where that differentiation exists. Great. So WP Engine's got thousands of hosting customers all around the world. But for someone who's starting out and a founder who's listening to this saying, that's great, you know, when you've got a big customer base, provide great service and your business will sort of grow from that. But, you know, when you want to start or if you want to launch into a new market and maybe a market doesn't know you, how do you portray that idea of sort of a niche market or quality offering or some kind of USP to a marketplace where maybe you don't have a huge amount of traction? Yeah, it's it's a challenge, right? And it's it's not easy. I've been involved in my own startups as well as you know, running WP Engine in Australia and Rackspace and, and other US companies that were startups in, in this market. And neither of them are easy. So I don't think you can pretend otherwise. I think for me, it really starts with having a very clear idea of who your target customer is and who they're not. A lot of startups in particular, you know, there tends to be, you know, he who shouts loudest or, or maybe a bit of desperation to just get money in the door. And, you know, that tends to be quite defocusing. I've you know, certainly experienced and been guilty of that in, in startups I've been involved in before. But, you know, I think one of the things that WP Engine does well is, you know, we understand that we're not the right solution for everyone. We have a very clear idea of, you know, who are the types of customers, what types of digital properties are going to be a good fit for our platform. And, you know, we've invested a lot of time and effort in 
you know, blending technology and service to meet those needs in a differentiated way. So, yeah, that would be the, the key learning, I think, that I would take from the different roles that I've been involved in. Yeah, so, I mean, WP, I'm assuming you're saying it stands for WordPress when you write it like that. That's I've got that right, okay? It does, absolutely. So WordPress as the underlying CMS that we provide platform to help people you know, create, build and manage great digital experiences using, using WordPress. And WordPress is self-used by 33% of the web. So, you know, when you go to a website, one in three of them are going to be built on the, the WordPress platform, which is you know, far more than any other CMS platform that's out there. But within that WordPress ecosystem, if you like, customers have a huge number of different choices. You know, the choices are almost limitless. So I think, you know, where that differentiation and, and really knowing who your customer is, you know, is important to building success. Yeah, so I mean, when I when I first look at WP Engine, the first thing I think is, yep, yeah, okay, so you've niched down to WordPress, and then you perfectly explained to me that actually you've you've only niched down to a third of the market there. So it's probably not a complete niche. So you know that next thing, what's that next layer that you when you think about an ideal customer for WP Engine? What's that next layer that comes down to you? Is it size? Is it scale? Is it what is it that you look at that says, okay, this is a WP Engine client? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, look, a third of the web is, is a big place to operate in, right? And we operate within a, a small segment of that, that market, I would say. You know, really for us, a good customer is someone who is doing something meaningful with their website. So it has a level of importance to them. And that could be a number of many different attributes. So for example, they could be generating a lot of leads through their website and they're investing a lot of marketing dollars in driving people to those those sites. And therefore, you know, the analytics that they have, the availability of the sites, the performance of the site are all things that accelerate their return on that marketing investment. It could be that they're an e-commerce site and they're supporting, you know, they're actually making sales of products, you know, and again, you know, that would suggest that that site has a level of importance to that client. And, you know, it could be a membership site, right, or a subscription site where people are paying, you know, to get gated content through that site or a publishing site that's, you know, got advertising dollars and high numbers of users, you know, relying on it for news and, and information. So any of those types of clients in our case, you know, would be a good fit, you know, for our platform. So, you know, when you look at the WordPress market, you've got, you know, 33% of the web overall, you've got about 20% of the top you know, 200,000 sites on, on the web using WordPress. And you've got a really long tail of, you know, cat blogs and forgotten competition sites and, you know, those types of things that are sitting out there, you know, on WordPress that don't really have a high level of importance. And if a site doesn't have a high level of importance to a customer, you're probably not going to pay a premium provider because you're not going to see a return on investment, you know, through making that that choice. Yeah, I think that makes a lot. You know, I, th- I think about why I sort of wanted to use WP Engine. That was, I guess, one of the things. And I, and I did think about it and I thought, well, you know, a classic brochure where website probably doesn't want to pay. And when we talk about a premium here too, and we're talking about a huge amount of money, actually, you know, hosting isn't that expensive these days. So, you know, a premium product just means you're charging more than sort of the minimum cPanel, you know, slice up virtual private hosting sort of setup. So it's not that much more money. But I guess I'm curious to understand, is part of that, around the idea of removing hosting from being a cost and you know is there a way that you can articulate hosting as a profit center or is it more about risk mitigation that you really go after with your messaging yes yeah, it's, it's a good question i think you kind of you're hitting a, a key point which i wanted to, to delve into in a little bit more detail but 
you know, the way we see ourselves is we're more than just hosting, right? You could go to Google and AWS and get compute and storage and networking, and, and that's hosting. You know, we, in our case, have invested hundreds of thousands of, you know, man hours in R&D, in building tools, building automation, in building analytics, you know, to help our customers, you know, build, manage and launch their sites, you know, more easily. And, you know, really when you boil it down to it, you know, the value on the investment that we deliver to our customers is typically either time saving or revenue enhancement. And that's very different to a commodity hosting, you know, company. So when an organization comes to us with a WordPress site, one of the things we'll, we'll often you know, try and explain to them is, you know, the cost of ownership, the total cost of ownership for that site over, you know, two or three years is kind of like an iceberg. And what everyone sees is the bit on top, right, which is how much am I paying for my, you know, my hosting, my compute storage and, and networking. But then the real cost is actually, you know, everything else that you have to do from, you know, installing it to integrating third party technologies to, you know, managing caching and security issues. Now, all of those things take, take time. And those are the things that our platform tries to automate in order to save that time and return that time, you know, to, you know, our customers. And, you know, another aspect would be, you know, revenue enhancement, right? So a lot of our clients rely on Google search rankings to get their sites noticed out there. And, you know, through delivering better site performance and through helping customers understand how to build more engaging content, we can help deliver better SEO outcomes for them. And again, that has a revenue you know, impact on their business. If they're an e-commerce site, then better site performance means that they've got more conversions, less people dropping off the site because they've got frustrated about the experience. So those are all the things that we try and solve for. But again, you know, when you're differentiating yourself as a premium provider in any market, I believe quite often you're having to educate people about what you're not because they will come with a preconceived idea of, of what they're buying. And in our case, that might be you're a hosting company. I'm coming to buy, you know, hosting. For us, we want to understand how we can deliver a return on investment to our customers because, you know, what we're delivering is a business outcome. I love the way that, you know, you're a hosting company when you know, you're not a hosting company, but, you know, <laughs> you represent a hosting company and you're pitching SEO benefits. And as, as someone, I mean, that was my first love was SEO sort of back in the 90s, sort of shows how old I am. But the idea that, you know, the host understands that is absolutely amazing. It's it's something where I did encounter it once before where I, I found a host who actually would help you set up different C-class IP addresses and things. And it was very SEO optimized. And there are some hosts that specialize in that, but it's usually because that's their entire market SEO. But I, I love the way it's a premium service and you're positioning around SEO. And I'm wondering, do you then take that kind of idea and then take that to your marketing beyond like your sort of your paid search you take that to your content marketing your events your pr and the kind of stuff you put out into the marketplace yeah absolutely i mean you know we we, we do have a great marketing team I've, I've spoken a lot about you know i guess our product and platform and, and differentiation from from that perspective but you know you've got to be able to tell potential customers you know what it is that you do and and get them interested and we we definitely try and take the high ground on that you know really a thought leadership approach which everyone talks about but, you know, I'll give you an example of one of the things that we've done from a marketing perspective. Uh, we, you know, over the last couple of years, we've commissioned research by a company called the Center for Generational Kinetics on future digital expectations by generation. And, you know, particularly looking at Gen Z being, you know, 21 years and under, the next generation of consumers, the next generation of the workforce. Now, 
a lot of people would say, why would WP Engine commission market research on what Gen Z expects, you know, from their digital experiences over the next five years? But, you know, when you look at the value of that from a piece of, you know, research and marketing of thought leadership content, we've been able to use that content to, you know, to speak at events. We've been able to, you know, use that content to better understand what features to build into our platform. You know, one of the things that came through strongly through that research was that, you know, Gen Z expects far more entertaining digital experiences. They have very high expectations in terms of voice, video, AI, as you would imagine. And, you know, that helps us with making decisions around where we spend our R&D efforts. So, for example, we worked with Amazon to launch a voice integration for WordPress called Polly, which will actually deliver a WordPress content from your site out to an Alexa device or as an audio file. You can create an automatic podcast from it and you can translate it into different languages. So, you know, really cool idea, but, you know, really having done that research to understand where people think websites and digital experiences are going, what their expectations are going to be in the future has helped us from a product perspective. It's helped us from a thought leadership perspective. It's got us more PR than anything else that we've done to date. So it's proven to be a really successful way of, I guess, elevating our brand, understanding the needs of our customers, and you know, building a solid roadmap that's that's going to need that meet those needs in the future. I love the idea that yeah, you're investing in content and research, and I guess representing yourself as a partner to that business because you know that's something that for most of your clients and most of the size, it's it's going to be something that's it's appealing, and I guess justifies that you know like you say, the premium monthly bill that comes in, you know, what do you add? Sometimes it's it's funny, but the extra cost doesn't necessarily materialize itself. You don't necessarily see where that money's gone into. And so it's a bit like insurance, right? It's that moment when things go wrong, that's when you need it. So what else can you do? Well, insurance companies can sponsor stadiums and they can, you know, do lots of feel-good community service stuff. I guess your version of that is offer additional support and partnership and business guidance to sort of show the value that you're able to add. Yeah. But I just wanted to touch on and loop back to where you're talking about providing a premium service. How do you, you know, in terms of providing that service, how do you work out the split or it's probably not completely up to you, but for the company overall, how do you work out that split between how much you put into manpower support and how much you put into technology support? Because you know, one of the things that appeals to me about WP Engine and is the localized support that you seem to provide around the world. So I'm, I'm curious to work out how much value you place in each of those baskets and how you split up where you make your investments? It's a great question. I think, you know, the best way I can answer that is, you know, as a premium provider, you know, we believe that we have to put ourselves under pressure to deliver to our customers every day. And, you know, for that reason, all of our customers, you know, over 100,000 now are on month-to-month agreements with us. So they could leave us at any time if they didn't feel we were delivering value for them. And so we have to measure what's important to customers very, very closely. One of the kind of headline measures that we use is Net Promoter Score. So we use that. Some of you listeners, no doubt, will be familiar with it. They've ever answered a question on a survey about, you know, would you recommend to a friend or a colleague? That's the Net Promoter question. And we measure Net Promoter Score as a, as a gauge of, you know, customer satisfaction in, in many levels. You know, really, I guess, you know, when we see those key metrics that we monitor, including Net Promoter, we want to improve them, you know, constantly. As we scale, we've been able to improve them because we've been able to make, build more specializations into the support team, you know, new features into the platform and so on. But we really let those metrics and the conversations that our account teams have with the customers guide us. 
And I think one of the lessons is it's really important to have good feedback loops, you know, within the organization. One of the things that, you know, we have, for example, is an email distribution list for product feedback. So anyone from any of the customer facing teams within the company, if they're asked by a customer, hey, it would be really cool if your platform did this, is encouraged to send that feedback back to this product you know, distribution list and they review and consolidate you know, that feedback when deciding where to make sort of technology or platform investment. So I guess it's a combination of two. We don't look at it as you know, we have to make a decision between investing more in support and investing more in technology in the platform. In our case, you know, which is not always the case for startups, of course, in our case, we, you know, we were a startup once, but we're now very well financially supported by Silver Lake, who made a $250 million investment in our business last year. So, you know, we are investing kind of ahead of the curve on growth in both technology and, and support. But I appreciate, you know, for startups, that can be a real conundrum, right, is where do you invest that, that dollar to get the biggest return when you've only got a dollar? So, you know, I've been there in different organizations. It's not easy, but I think just clear communication internally with your customers is the secret to making the right decisions there. In thinking about those founders that are moving into an industry that's crowded, like hosting is, you know, there's a lot of messaging. It's, it's mostly commoditized. How, I'm curious around WP Engine, whether or not your focus is on acquiring sort of I guess, net new people into the pie. So it's like people who are like, okay, I need to find a WordPress host. If people even search for that, I'm sure they do. Do you get them there? Or, or do you find it's easier to onboard people who have a problem? You know, they've, they've experienced that thing if they haven't patched WordPress, they've been hacked or, you know, wh- whatever it happens to be. Do you find one easier than the other when it comes to disrupting, you know, the standard, what's the cheapest hosting I can get? Yeah, it's, look, I definitely say when, when, when someone's got a problem, it's easier to bring people across because, you know, people just want to solve that problem immediately as quickly as possible. But that can, you know, be a danger in itself, I guess in that you haven't had the same amount of time to really educate those customers about you know your platform your support you know how you operate you know where you can add value you know what are the things that they need to consider you know doing themselves that you maybe can't help them directly with you know if someone's in a site down situation in our case and they just want to move their site over as quickly as possible you know they haven't had the chance you haven't had the chance to go through that process as efficiently and comprehensively and that's really important to us. Again, you know, all our customers are month to month. We need to make sure that when they, they land on our platform, that they're going to be happy on our platform. They're going to stay on it. So, you know, there's, there's a good and a bad to those, you know, sort of site down or, or emergency type scenarios. In some ways, it's better, although it takes longer if, you know, it's a more measured approach and someone goes through a more thorough evaluation because then they absolutely understand everything about you and you understand everything about them and there's, there's no misunderstanding. Does that make sense? It does. I must say, and I guess this will be more of an observational point and you can add in whatever I get wrong. One of the things that I loved about the way I first experienced WP Engine was that onboarding process moving from an existing host across to you guys. And for people listening, that process was once I sort of signed up, I got to plug into my existing WordPress installation, WP Engine brought everything across and basically recreated the site on a staging server and we're able to say, hey, does this look right to you? Is there anything that's wrong with it? You've got localized chat support that sit there. And for me, are based in the same city as me. I mean, some of the people I've changed to probably aren't, but I know that there are people in the same city as me, which is quite rare these days. And then, so I found myself in a situation where I was able to say, hey, 
My site is across. Everything's there. It all looks good. I just need to click this button and I go live and I switch the DNS and, and everything's across, which was a very different experience if I'd gone through another host where you typically expect, well, they give you the, okay, here's the keys, you know, go for yourself. You know, it's kind of like copy your files across and good luck. I guess my, it's not really a question more of an observation, but because the question I would attach to that is how important and how much work has gone into that onboarding process or migration process, because it seems pretty slick to me. And to me, it's probably one of the best things that WP Engine does in terms of acquiring customers. Yeah, thank you for that feedback. I mean, yes, a lot of thought goes into it. Obviously, we want to make it easy for customers to join us, you know, of course. And we look at all of the, you know, processes of building, managing, operating, you know, WordPress sites and look for ways in which we can make them more efficient and easier for customers to use. Because, you know, to my earlier point, our value proposition is really time-saving. But I think, you know, the bigger point that it goes back to is, you know, if you're going to be a premium provider in a market, you know, it's very difficult to do that if you're a generalist. The reason why we're able to solve those kinds of problems and make things, you know, easy and efficient for our customers when it comes to their WordPress properties is because we've spent eight years focusing on just doing it for WordPress. We've made a very conscious decision that we want to be a specialist, not a generalist. You know, we don't build and run our own data centers. We partner with Google and AWS. We integrate third-party technologies into our platform where it makes sense. And we're really, you know, laser focused on, you know, what it is that we uniquely can do differently and better than other providers out there. And what are the things that are really core strengths of ours? And what are the things we can better partner to achieve and deliver in terms of a total customer outcome? So I think that's the bigger learning and that, you know, certainly my thought process is it's difficult to be a premium provider if you're being a generalist. And I think, you know, one of the things we see too much is, you know, people trying to compete in multiple segments and it's really hard to be a commodity and a premium provider. And it's really hard as it would be hard for us to do the same thing with the same level of service, the same level of tools and automations for Drupal sites and Sitecore sites and Adobe sites and you know, God knows what else than it is if we just focus on doing one thing and doing it really well. Yeah. So I guess in that sense, you're that middle layer, well, you know, sort of not middle, but top layer that sits sort of just underneath services of, you know, Amazon or Google and, and that kind of infrastructure play that is just so hard to compete with. So in that sense, I guess when you're thinking about competitors, you're probably not thinking Amazon and Google and their cloud services. You're saying, well, you know, they have a market. And there's an offering to that. And they've got scale and infrastructure that, you know, is almost impossible. You know, there's only really three providers in the world with the kind of scale that can do that. So they're not, they're not your competition because you, you pitch in at a lower market. So does that mean, I guess, the, what's, where's, the, where's the competition going to come from? Is it people picking up from Wix and Squarespace? Is that, is that likely, you know, businesses are moving into the same market as you? Or do you feel yourself like significantly above that space and I guess the, the marketplace? Yeah, it's an interesting question. You know, in reality, I mean, I guess the answer is both. So, you know, Google and AWS are, you know, very important technology partners of ours, for sure. But, you know, they are an alternative that customers consider to our platform as well. So, you know, we would deem that kind of DIY. You know, most WordPress sites, you know, in the world today are still on what we would call a DIY solution, where, you know, they go onto the Amazon website, they figure out you know, which of the hundreds of instances available you want to buy and how you want to buy it. You piece together the infrastructure, you, you know, manually install WordPress. You then figure out what plugins you're going to use for backups and securities and caching. And then you kind of think, oh, how am I going to get some analytics to tell me how my site and how am I going to build a staging environment and how am I going to move my sites from staging to development? And, you know, all these questions come up, right? 
And, you know, what we're trying to solve is, is that piece, that application level complexity so that our customers can concentrate on their site, you know, design, development, marketing, the things that are important to their business. So, you know, yes, they're a substitute, but, you know, they're not what we would term a direct competitor. They're also a very important you know, partner of ours as well. And I think, you know, when you're in a crowded market, you know, it's not just us in the WordPress space. You often have to, you know, think very carefully about, you know, where are the areas where it makes sense to partner? Where are the areas where, you know, we potentially compete? But how can you try and find a way of working together that makes sense, that delivers a good customer outcome that, you know, is not just based on, hey, I, these guys compete with me in this one little area, so I'm not going to work with them. You know, that wouldn't be of the best interest in our customers. So, you know, we're confident in, in our proposition. If you've invested heavily in building something unique, you should be confident, you know, in the fact that, you know, there might be alternatives that people consider and there might be areas where you can partner with some of those providers. And at the end of the day, it's a big market and you know, there's room for everyone. Yeah, huge market. So it's absolutely enormous. And I think you're right. I mean, you do get scared, you, you know, with any of these markets where you're kind of reliant on a couple of things, you know, so yes, you know, the infrastructure of players like Google and Amazon, it's it's scary because if you became significantly big, you know, it's not beyond Google. They they do sometimes look at these things and think, oh, well, we'll do that. You know, if you were a, a travel comparison business, there was that moment where Google says, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll start rolling out travel comparison directly into our search engine results, you know, so there are those scary moments. And I guess, you know, for me, the other fear is, of course, the WordPress effect. You know, there's a lot bet on WordPress being, you know, continuing to be a CMS. So in that sense, that's probably not a battle that you guys have to fight because it's, you know, like you said, it's a third of all websites. It's more a battle that WordPress as an ecosystem has against your Wix and Squarespaces. But I think, as you pointed out, they probably operate at a lower end of the market, even lower down because it's an all-in-one package solution. So but nevertheless, I'm sure it's an interesting market to sit in and you're probably always lining up competitors and looking at who's squeezing who in which part of the market. It's a super interesting space, yes. And, you know, we operate at all ends of that market from, you know, startup businesses through to large enterprises, you know, looking to use WordPress for, you know, very large and, and complex, you know, sites. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, you've really got to focus on the customer, you know, not so much the competition. You know, you've got good communication with your customers. You understand what's important to them. You continue to move the needle forward and continue to find new ways of adding value to them. You know, that's again where our research really helps is being able to anticipate and stay one step ahead. Then yes, you know, competitors are going to catch you up on certain things. You're going to launch something, they're going to launch it. But, you know, if you have great technology and you wrap that with great support, then you're going to have incredible customer loyalty. If you've got customer loyalty, you're going to get great feedback that helps you get better. And you know, that circle hopefully continues. Great. So Mark, if there's people listening to this, founders listening to this, who sort of, they've got a WordPress built site. And, you know, I suspect with startup companies, it's probably more like 66% of people, are founders have um, WordPress based sites and they're thinking to themselves, I wouldn't mind having a chat to Mark or just discovering what WP Engine does or why it's going to remove some of my headaches because I'm currently in my not only my founder and marketer and salesperson, but I'm also system admin. What's the best place or location for them to go to read more about what WP Engine offers? And you know, where would you direct them specifically to look at when it comes to being sort of a probably a one or two person operation? What should they be looking at at WP Engine? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I would certainly direct them to our website, wpengine.com in the first instance. We've built it to be, you know, a great you know, demonstration of what WordPress can do. You know, it's an e-commerce site. It has self-sign-up capabilities. It has support garage. It has live chat. It has personalization. 
it has a you know, huge number of, of integrations that really you know, showcase the power of um, WordPress. But aside from that, obviously, it's a great repository of information on our platform. But through that site, people can engage in live chat, which we have almost 24-7 coverage. They can ask questions of our team about our platform, share information about the problems and the challenges that we're solving. And, you know, our team would advise them as to, you know, how and if, you know, we can help them achieve their goals. Great. And I would say to anyone who's doing it, definitely jump onto that live chat. If you want to test out, for me, if you want to test out WP Engine and value they add, start asking some questions about, you know, DNS migration, or whatever you might have questions about for that support team. And you kind of get blown away with just how good they are and how quick they are and ready they are to help you. And if you sort of go, well, that's the goal and that's what you're paying for. So I'd sort of challenge anyone to give that a try because it, it's sort of second to none. And like I said, I've, you know, having worked on the internet for a long time, you get used to working with different hosting companies. And I, I used to host lots of sites with Rackspace, but it's just an entirely different experience. And it's a very modern experience at WP Engine. So I challenge people to do that. So look, Mark, that's a wrap from me. I'd just like to thank you for your time. You know, it's been, oh, it's great chatting to you. And, and I'm hoping for founders, what the, the lesson or the takeaway here from our chat really for me is, you know, it's being super niche in what you do. It's picking a market and saying, that's all we do. And we're going to be the specialist in it. And it's understanding that, you know, you can put a layer of service on your business, something that distinguishes you. You don't have to own the entire funnel. You don't have to be putting, you know, servers into racks. You don't have to be, you know, building the whole website. You can fit into an ecosystem and you can build a hosting business with, or oh, I don't know what Mark said. You said, was it over 100,000 customers? customers? Yeah. Half a million websites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so there's a scary big business there and when you first think hosting company your first thought is you're going to go buy a shed and start seeking some servers in it so i think it's a great demonstration of scale and execution and and finding usp so mark thank you so much for sharing it with us today oh great thank you for your time really appreciate it thanks for listening to this week's episode i hope we were able to provide you with some great marketing ideas that will really help your business as always if you'd like to support me and the show just jump onto iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review. Those reviews really make a difference and help me reach a broader audience. If you'd like to connect, the best way to find me, of course, is on LinkedIn, following me on social media, or just connecting. And if you've got ideas for future episodes or you're a marketer and you would like to appear in a future episode, just hit me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to have a chat. Thanks a lot. And I look forward to speaking with you next week.